Purdue football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers hit the road for the second straight week, looking for an upset for the second straight week. It's Purdue at Maryland at noon on Saturday. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhart here right now. We'll talk to Brian Newbert and Alan Carpick as well for the Golden Black Radio pregame show. Tom, Purdue a slight underdog in this one. Maryland basically getting the home three points. Purdue looking to do it for two weeks in a row after upsetting Minnesota up in Minneapolis last week. This seems like a Boilermaker team with a couple of games uh, having one in a row that has a little bit of momentum, but we do know in college football that can be a fleeting thing as well. Uh, this will be a challenging contest on Saturday. Yeah, the offense, Kyle, in particular for Maryland, could pose some real issues for Purdue, the quarterback. Tangalavoa, you know, he's a guy who can not only throw it, but he's also a dangerous runner. He's got a nice fleet of receivers. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett is the one to watch. Kyle, the former five-star prospect. Two good running backs. You know, this team, again, is more than just throwing the ball. They're freshman running backs. One, one guy's their thunder. One guy's their lightning. So they can come at you a lot of different ways. I guess the good news for Purdue, Kyle, is their defense, right? It's playing pretty well right now. Get a load of this. Purdue's the only Big Ten team that's allowed only one rush of over 20 yards this wow. season, Kyle. And they've still yet to allow a 100-yard rush or so. The Purdue defense is playing very well, and it's going to have to continue to do so if they want to have a shot to win in College Park. And, Tom, as we know, that defense is getting a little bit healthier. It looks pretty positive that – Linebacker, nickel, uh, safety, man of all trades. Uh, Jalen Graham <laughs> will be back on Saturday. You wrote about it this week that Corey Trice looked better after ditching the knee braces uh, than he had all season. Uh, Purdue got Reese Taylor back. I mean, it does seem like this is a defense that A, is playing pretty well, and B, is getting some guys back, which should uh, behoove the Boilermakers in this contest against the Terps offense. Yeah, you're right. Corey tries. He looks like he's finally rounding back into form, uh, which is obviously a great thing for Purdue. They got Reese Taylor back last week, too, Kyle. So they've got three cornerbacks they feel comfortable with. But, of course, the biggie, like you talked about, is Jalen Graham, number six. Uh, all signs point to him playing on Saturday. Uh, Coach Brom said as much, basically said as much after practice on Thursday. Uh, again, we all understand the impact he can have on, 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 on any game. Kyle, you know, he's only played one this year. That was the opener against Penn State. He suffered the, the I guess, impact fracture on one of his tibias. Missed the last four games. I heard he had a chance to play last week. It was a close call. It didn't happen. But, again, I think we're going to see him Saturday. And he's a guy that uh, rarely leaves the field. The one question, Kyle, is you kind of wonder how much can he really go on Saturday having not played for, for what, a month now. So that'll be interesting to see if he's uh, – how well he holds up uh, seeing his first extended action since September 1st. Yeah, but 40 snaps is I'm – not, I'm, not, I'm not real smart, Tom, uh, but 40 snaps is greater than zero. Exactly. Half <laughs> a game. Anything to get at him is great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but what a boon to that defense. So, yeah, like, like I talked about from, from the top, they're going to need him to try to slow down this Maryland offense. 
Purdue will have Aiden O'Connell back under center. It sounds like, again, uh, Jeff Brom declared him good to go on Thursday evening. We estimated, not sure anybody officially put a number on it, that it, you know, it felt like to us maybe he was around 75% with the combination of the injury and then just the lack of preparation uh, against the Golden Gophers. It would seem that this week maybe we'll get a, a Aiden O'Connell, a version of him that is closer to 100%. It might not be 100%, but – but is closer to 100%. He will at least have gotten an opportunity to prepare a little bit this week, and that'll be huge for Purdue in a game that I think most people anticipate is a little bit of a track meet. Yeah, yeah. Maryland's averaging 35 points, about number three or four in the Big Ten, so Purdue's going to have to probably score close to 30, I think, to win it. And, yeah, boy, to get Aiden back back to, to anywhere where he was at in early September – would be a heck of a nice asset for this offense to have moving forward. We all know the issues they've had the last couple of weeks. Austin Burton against Florida Atlantic, no real big explosive plays. Aiden gets to play last week in Minnesota, no real big explosive plays. Purdue found a way to win both those games. But as they'd wade deeper into the teeth of this schedule, Kyle, the competition continues to get tougher and tougher. And this offense is going to have to be on its toes and hitting on all six cylinders. And one of those cylinders, again, is getting big plays in the pass game. I suspect Maryland's going to do like Minnesota did, Kyle. Probably play that two-deep two shell safety look, not wanting to get beat deep. Going to be plenty of opportunity for Dylan Downing and Devin Mockaby to run again. But, again, if Aiden's feeling better, Kyle, I suspect he's still going to take some shots downfield, which still was really lacking last week. Yeah, but if you've got a home run threat as a running back, man, that changes things a little bit, doesn't it? Because if they play that shell and you've got a running back like in Devin Mockaby, who, you know, is starting to find himself a little bit and he can he can chunk off yardage at 10, 15, 20, you know, 68 yards a clip, that, that changes what defenses can do against you. Yeah, you're right. And, um, again, we're going to see a lot of Mockaby and a lot of Dilling, Downing once again, Kyle, um, Jeff Brom on Thursday said King Daru was highly doubtful he was going to play. So, again, not that that produced had any fall off. Um, Downing and Mockaby have done very well. And you're exactly right. They brought some balance to this Purdue attack. And we all know that's going to make it so much more deadly, Kyle. If defenses suddenly have to worry about the Purdue ground game, that plays right into what the Boilmakers want to do. Yeah. Um, they can get that defense on its heels and throw some deep balls at Charlie Jones and company. So, Credit that Purdue offense. Again, the run game, Kyle, they've been really creative in how they've tried to scheme things this year, uh, using the two tight end sets with an extra offensive lineman. They've used a fullback at times as well. They've used Marcus Bowen in the backfield as, as a lead blocker too. So they've tried to do some different things to keep that ground game charged up. Let's take a break. We'll come back, get uh, Maryland's view of things. We'll also talk to Brian Newbert, his perspective, Alan Carpet coming up to talk a little bit of Big Ten football, a little historical view. We'll look back at the Maryland series, which has not been all that exciting for the Boilermakers over the years, including the game a few years ago that was ugly over there. We'll uh, we'll do all that and much more coming up on the Golden Black Radio pregame show.
Hello from News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are traveling to College Park, Maryland for Saturday's football game. The weather is shaping up to be a fairly nice one for the Boilers. For those who will be tailgating in the morning, temperatures will be in the mid-50s and a west wind around 5 miles per hour. By kickoff in Maryland around noon, temperatures will be a comfortable 71 degrees with winds continuing to be out of the west at about 5 to 10 miles per hour with mostly to partly sunny skies. By the end of the game, temperatures will reach their highs at around 75 with a mix of clouds and sunshine. Overall, another perfect forecast will be in store for the Boilermakers as they take on Maryland. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent, all right, we're pleased to be joined by Scott Green of the TerrapinSportsReport.com. Scott, of course, covers Maryland. Purdue's got a big game in College Park this weekend, noon Eastern time kickoff. And Scott, let's get right to it. Uh, tell Purdue fans what they can expect from this Terrapin offense on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Leah Tungavailoa is kind of what makes that offense go. Um, he's having a great season so far. Um, you know, he's setting all kinds of records at the school for most 300-yard games, most yards in a career, um, just just really rewriting the record books, essentially. Um, you know, they've got an experienced offensive line. I, th- I believe they're the only line in the Big Ten that returns all five starters, actually technically six starters from last year. Um, so really experienced up front. Uh, but, you know, it all comes down to those playmakers. You know, uh, you look at the wide receiver group, uh, Rakim Jarrett, you know, he's a former Rivals five-star. Um, he's been terrific so far this season. You know, he's a huge threat there out of the slot. Um, then you've got someone like Jayshon Jones. Um, you know, he's very shifty. He's got some of the most fluid hips I've ever seen. Another big-time receiver. Um, but, you know, and one area that's kind of, I think, surprised some people, I think, is the running back group. Uh, Roman Hemby has been the guy that's been the starter this year. Uh, he's pretty much a home run, home run threat every time he touches the ball. Um, very lightly recruited, but you know his brother played Division One football, so uh, I think he kind of knew what he was getting into when he came in, and he's been terrific this season. And then you know, if Hemby's the lightning, uh, Antoine Littleton is the thunder. Um, you know, he came in as a pretty pretty heralded guy himself, um, almost three hundred pound running back coming into Maryland. Um, has really chiseled down his body and, you know, he can really, really pound it between the tackles. Um, but he showed last week, he's got some speed too. broke off a 68 yard run. So, you know, I, I think this offense is a little more balanced than people might expect, but, you know, obviously tongue by low is what makes it go, but there are a lot of weapons there and there's a lot of experience up front. What about the defense, Scott? What can we expect from that Terrapin, uh, Terrapin defensive, uh, defensive unit? Yeah, the defense, uh, you know, they've, they've been hurt a little bit. Um, you know, their, their Mike linebacker, their middle top middle linebacker, Ruben Hippolyte's been out the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, but they've got the true freshman, Jay Sean Barham, in there uh, in the middle. And he's been terrific, you know, especially for a newcomer. Um, you know, the, the rest of the linebacker group, they've got some experience. Um, Ahmad McCullough's been com- coming and playing in there. Um, he's a six-year guy. 
Um, then, you know, up front, they've got a lot of older guys. Ami Finau, you know, he's been there a couple years now, um, was a Juco guy. And, you know, they've, they've got some more size than they've had in the past. Um, you know, they've got the two safeties have been terrific the last few weeks. Um, you look at Dante Trader, um, you know, he's a sophomore, a sophomore, I believe, um, out of Maryland. He's been really good. And then Bo Braid uh, is another guy, you know, another guy from Maryland. Um, he was terrific the other day against Michigan State. Um, you know, and, and this is their first year for both of them starting, but they're really starting to come into their own. And that secondary is starting to look better and better every week, you know. Um, at the at the cornerback spot, you've got Jacorian Bennett. He came back for his senior year. He's been really good. Led, led the nation in pass breakups last year. Um, and you got a guy guy like Tarheeb still. Um, so yeah, I, I would say you know, and then Deontay Banks who missed all of last year. So I'd say that secondary is the strength of the defense. Um, but they've got some good young talent in the linebacker group as well. It's you know all kind of coming together. Okay, Scott, how do you see this game unfolding on Saturday? Maryland four and one. Purdue three and two, each squad coming off a, a nice victory. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. Um, you know, from what I've seen, it looks like um, Purdue's got some some guys that are questionable, you know, at some key positions, especially quarterback. Um, I think it's going to be very close. I think Maryland might get a slight edge um, just because of their kicker, you know, the special teams, and then the fact that they're at home. I, I think Maryland's playing well. I think they're going to pull it out, but I think it's going to be very close. I think it might be something along the lines of, say, 27-21, 27-24, but I think it could be a very close back-and-forth game. Should be good, Scott. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there. I always love coming to College Park, seeing a football game in campus. Hopefully I'll run into you, and we appreciate you stopping by here and dropping some Terrapin knowledge on us, sir. All right, anytime. Appreciate it. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill and Downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring in Brian Newber to get his perspective on Purdue at Maryland on Saturday. Uh, Brian, if you go back to the victory against number two Iowa last year, Purdue is five and two now in games played away from Ross Aid Stadium. That's a pretty good stretch. Of course, the Boilermakers lost at Ohio State and lost to Syracuse during that stretch, but they've won all the others that haven't been played in the home stadium. 
Um, Purdue has some veteran players. I think that probably has something to do with it. It's got a quarterback who seems to not get rattled uh, anywhere, but, you know, maybe in particular uh, on the road. Uh, I don't know. You got any other theories for, for why Purdue seems to be able to play well in road environments and even in road environments where they're not the favorite, uh, like they were yeah. not last week. I mean, upwards of a, a 10 point underdog against the Gophers and they will be uh, what a slight underdog three points, probably thereabouts against Maryland on Saturday. Yeah. I think, I think a lot's probably gone into it. I think some of it's been matchups. Uh, obviously the signature win last year away from Rossade stadium was, was Iowa. Uh, and that's obviously a, a, a team for whatever reason, Purdue always matches up well with the way they run their offense versus the way Iowa runs its defense. Obviously, Obviously, the bowl game was a big win uh, for them under some strange circumstances. Um, but generally, I think, you know, people tend to say, and I think there's probably something to it, that when you're when you're on the road, you're a little bit more insulated from everything around you. And maybe yeah. the level of discipline, the level of organization is a little bit, you know, amped up. And that can help the product on the field some. Uh, it's probably a little bit easier to concentrate Um when you're in this sort of very controlled environment and you know i i I think human nature too can be sometimes when everything's against you uh it's kind of naturally that sort of uh you know not to use a a really bad cliche here but you know that sort of circle the wagons kind of kind of mentality I, i i mean i i can't speak to why it's been so why Purdue has fared so well in that regard. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but uh, I also think there's been some teams that they've played that are very beatable. Obviously, you've got Nebraska last year that was in a bad place. Northwestern and Wrigley Field wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire last year. Uh, I don't I don't mention that to take anything away from Purdue or anything like that, but um, that win against Minnesota this past weekend was a big one, Yeah. Uh, but also came right on the heels of Purdue going to Syracuse and, uh, you know, getting called for some really bad penalties and kind of letting that game slip away. But kind of by and large, I think, you know, it, it's had a little to do with matchups. It's probably had a lot to do with Purdue just being more, probably more focused, more organized, whatever term you want to use here. The outlook in October looks a little bit different right now than it did at the start of the month, right? Because uh, when you're starting the month, you're like, man, Purdue, this is a tough stretch. It could go one and three, and that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. And now you look at Purdue one at, at Minnesota in an upset. It's got a chance Saturday against Maryland. It gets a Nebraska team at home that you felt like was, you know, you know maybe that one sort of guarantee win. And now the Wisconsin thing is sort of like, what are the Badgers? Maybe that's not as insurmountable as what you sort of felt. So, you know, just a few days ago, you were thinking, man, one and three, and then you have to hope to recover a little bit in, in November. But I think the outlook, um, whether real or not, has has changed here a little bit this month. Yeah, I think Purdue obviously looked really good at Minnesota. That being said, they did overcome three turnovers, and they did only score 20 points, Yeah, too. Um, I, I don't know if you can necessarily bank on some of the things that happened against Minnesota happening every week from here on out. You know, I as good as Purdue looked in the running game against Minnesota, I don't think that's going to be an every week kind of deal for Purdue. I could be wrong, but uh, I, I didn't see a lot of indications leading into Minnesota that that was going to be something Purdue, that was going to be a strength for Purdue all season long here. Uh, I, I, I don't know if the defense is going to play that well every single week. Um, I don't know if the other quarterback is going to make as many mistakes as Tanner Morgan surprisingly did. 
Uh, also, uh, Purdue deserves some credit for forcing some of those mistakes, but a few of them were just flat out mistakes. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously Minnesota didn't have its number one running back, uh, who's a very good player as well. Uh, so some things happen that I, I don't know if you can necessarily extrapolate to the rest of the season. Uh, my point being that Purdue still got to keep getting better here. Um, but having to get better being illustrated in a win is a hell of a lot better than having to get better being illustrated in a loss. Yeah. Uh, so I think that in college football, every week can kind of be a season unto itself. I think we've, we've seen that in Purdue's results thus far alone. Um, so I don't know if you want to really take anything for granted based off that one Minnesota game, but I, I, I do think Purdue looks like it's in a better place now than it did a week ago, whether or not that's a complete transformation or whether or not that's simply in a uh, kind of distortion of reality based off a very good win at Minnesota. I don't know, but yeah, Purdue, I mean, it's easy to feel a little bit better about Purdue right now than it was kind of coming out of that game prior to Minnesota, the FAU game. Minnesota didn't have its running back, man. TV should have mentioned that. You'd think they would have. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Brian. No problem. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765 873185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765 587 3185. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's hit the Big Ten Roundup. Take a look at five games outside of Purdue and Maryland that we will be looking at this weekend. Of course, there are only five other games in the Big Ten. Alan Karpik here uh, with us to do that. All right, uh, Al, let's take a look at that Friday night game. If you're listening to this on Saturday, you can make fun of us for our poor takes here. Although, not sure anybody cares outside of Lincoln and maybe to some extent Piscataway. Uh, Nebraska traveling to Rutgers. Nebraska's favored by three points on the road. Uh I mean, I guess the Cornhuskers can get back to 500 and be 2-1 and one in the Big Ten, and, you know, that would be something, I suppose. Well, I think it would be something because they come to West Lafayette in that situation, I guess, uh, if they get the win. You know, I, it is amazing to me that Nebraska's, uh, certainly their loyalty among the fan base has been tested. Uh, they continue to pass that test by filling stadiums, and I wasn't 100% full last week against Indiana, though it was a sellout. Um Nebraska still can't run the ball. Uh, it is their first true road game, but maybe that's a help for Nebraska. And Greg Schiano's he he got his got his fighting words going against uh, Ryan Day last week. But I think Nebraska will get out of this game alive. I think because Nebraska's got some decent talent, uh, they just haven't uh, haven't shown it enough uh, in games. And it will make up make for an interesting matchup uh, next Saturday night in Ross Aid. That is even made more interesting if Purdue could pull a mild upset over Maryland. 
I don't want to hear about the sellout streak. Corporations just buying up those tickets anyway, <laughs> and they don't get it sold out. I want the scan count there. I mean, I think yeah. that though they, it is still pretty amazing the fan base there. I'll give them that. Uh, but still, uh, this is a team that in uh, a program that is uh, unfortunately for the Cornhuskers has a little bit of an inflated view of itself, and we'll find out who they get as a head coach here before long. All right, noon kickoff on Saturday. Number four, Michigan travels to Indiana. The Hoosiers have been exposed. It feels like here over the last couple of weeks, Michigan is a 22-and-a-half point favorite down there in Bloomington. Oh, man, Indiana, even in its victories, didn't look very good. It looks worse in its losses, which there have been a couple in a row here. You just feel like uh, trying to find three more wins for Indiana to get to the postseason is difficult. Really, one of those wins needed to be last week against Nebraska, and Indiana couldn't get it done. And this one's going to be quite difficult. Uh, yes, quite difficult. I mean, I think Indiana, you know, you get a situation where uh, you know they have been able to throw the football some. Uh, uh, certainly with Connor Bozilek, uh, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, but he's a guy that's, uh, that uh, has come in and done better than expected. But And Michigan has not uh, had much in the way of style points in its last two wins. But uh, Michigan's a really solid football team, and I, I think that they win easily. Do they cover that? I, again, I don't know, but uh, I think they have a pretty easy time with them up or down in Bloomington for this one. 3.30 kickoff in Evanston. Wisconsin with interim yeah. head coach Jim Leonard. Wow, that was a shocker last week. Uh, we'll head to uh, take on the Wildcats of Northwestern. These two teams have not played well recently. Uh, Wisconsin, a 10.5-point favorite. Though I, Did I see that they, they really have not played well in Evanston themselves recently? This could be a sort of a, a, a weird game. Uh, you know, it's probably Leonard's job to lose here, right? I mean, as long as they go like – four and three, five and two here during this interim period. It feels like this is probably his job. But uh, Wisconsin's been a weird team, obviously, and, and Northwestern's just been bad. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I think in the, over the last, what, eight or nine meetings, Wisconsin has turned the ball over a lot against Northwestern. I think it's minus, they're minus 13. So, uh, you know, Northwestern has been uh, not good, uh, to say the least, and, and yet uh, – uh, but they have given Wisconsin fits, you know, in, in times. And that's what makes this game interesting. I keep talking about, uh, uh, you know, Wisconsin is continues to turn the ball over, but they've had 12 giveaways in the last four games. Uh, I think Northwestern could, this could be a pitcher's duel. Um, but I think that Wisconsin gets out of there alive. And I know you're going to ask this question. Maybe we talked about this last week. Has Purdue ever faced two interim coaches in consecutive weeks? And I don't think they have. And uh, the Boilermakers have. They'll get the chance here on the on uh, the uh, yeah. 15th and the 22nd. That would be almost impossible, I would think. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm <laughs> somewhat, somewhat facetious. But I do think that uh, Northwestern's not very good. And Wisconsin, I think, can run the football, though, contrary to what uh, we saw last week when they had 24 carries for a whopping two yards against yeah. uh, the Red Grange-laden uh, Illinois fighting Illini. Okay, two other games on the, the Big Ten schedule. If I would have asked you before the season started, which was the big game in the Big Ten, would you have picked number three Ohio State at Michigan State or Iowa at Illinois? I'm guessing that you would have picked uh, the Buckeyes and Sparty, but man, that other game is pretty intriguing, especially from a, a West division point of view of the Big Ten. 
Let's start with Ohio State, Michigan State, since it's the four o'clock kick. Uh, Buckeyes favor by 27. Um, Sparty's playing, paying Mel Tucker a lot of money to, to not win football games this year after winning some last year. True. I mean, it's a, an amazing thing. I, you know, and, and again, it's hard to know. Uh, certainly Michigan State was able to pull it together last year and have a great year for the most part. But we kind of saw where Michigan State really was when they came to West Lafayette. And of course, uh, Mel Tucker in the COVID year did not have as good a year. So I don't know what the, that's that's Michigan State's problem. Michigan State's current problem was trying to deal with Ohio State. Uh, and I think that, that uh, the only the only advantage Michigan State has is it's playing at home. But there is no momentum for the Spartans in this one. Um, and I think that Ohio State is starting to uh, get things uh, going. Got to think about last year. I think they beat uh, Michigan State 56 to 7, was it last year? And uh, uh, and and that was a, supposedly a good Michigan State team. So I, I again, Ohio State's got to keep himself, keep itself interested. That will be an interesting uh, thing to watch over the next bit uh, before Ohio State and Michigan seem to be an inevitable co- collision course. But uh, I just don't see Michigan State staying in this game. Seven thirty, uh, Iowa and Illinois, big battle in the Big Ten West. Illinois is favored against Iowa by three and a half points. You know, the Illini have been pretty good. The quarterback play has been good. They can run the football. They can play defense. It just feels like if they win this game, A, Illinois will be ranked. But B, man, you have to consider the possibility that they might be the team to beat in the Big Ten West, especially when you start to look at the schedules a little bit. They get pretty well for one thing. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And when's the last time a guy has gone to coach at at his alma mater, which uh, this is this week, of course, Brett Bielema facing Iowa, and then going to coach against his former team yeah. in, in the last two weeks. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I think Illinois, you have to look at them for being for real. Um, yes, Iowa's defense is still really good uh, or good enough. Uh, they they still uh, you know they they just can't score, and I just wonder if that's going to happen in this situation uh, where maybe. Illinois is having kind of a remember Purdue in 1997 under Joe Tiller. Some things change, and all of a sudden, the, the magic starts happening. The schedule gets good, and you win games. Um, I think Illinois uh, again. Uh, you know, we've used that six to four reference a lot. I don't know that it'll be six to four the final score, but I think Illinois can win this game, and maybe it's more of the 17-14 variety. Well, in the transfer era, we have to recognize, and I think we're all probably still a little slow to do this, that you can go from horrible to pretty good in a short amount of time. Absolutely. Even, even in football. Absolutely. And that's the advantages of programs like Purdue to some extent. You know, you can, you know, Jeff Brom has done a good job in there and it certainly has been the case in in the right situation that, that uh, you can get players because there's a lot of good, really good players sitting on the second and third teams at some good schools that would sure like to play. But I also think Illinois Chase Brown has been terrific. They've gotten good enough quarterback plays. You talk about the transfer situation. Uh, they were Illinois was so bad at quarterback the last uh, couple of years that uh, uh, this is this gives them a chance. And uh, I like Illinois in this game. Uh, and they don't Illinois and I was a pretty good sized rivalry between those two teams, especially at Illinois. Uh, I think that the fans, as much as the fans at Memorial Stadium can get jacked up, they're going to be jacked up this week. That's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. 
All right, now let's take a historical view at Purdue and Maryland. First, though, let's let's talk a little bit of Boilermakers on the East Coast. Of course, they'll play at Maryland uh, at noon on Saturday. Didn't go well the last time Purdue went East this season, at least, with the loss to Syracuse. Well, you know, we were looking at games, uh, and obviously we'll talk a little bit about the 16 game at Maryland, uh, the loss at Syracuse. Now, Purdue did shut out UConn by God, last year, 49 love. <laughs> so we can't forget that. And that was the furthest East Coast win in the history of the program. Uh, obviously, Purdue's played in New York City a few times back in the 30s. Had some success, not a lot of success. It has nothing to do with anything, but it might give you something to think about as you listen to this podcast that, yeah, it'd be good to win in the uh, in the land of crab cakes. Uh, it'd be the first time the Boilermakers have won at Maryland if they do it. Uh, there have been a couple of rough games against uh, the Terps. Of course, Purdue won here <laughs> years ago, but um, the 50-7 to game when 2016 that you mentioned, sort of the – I always look at that as the marker that was the the end of the Daryl Hazel era. I think he won a game after that, right? He did. He did. Um, they beat Illinois in overtime, right? Yeah, but this 31. is the game. In my opinion, this is the game. I mean, 50-7, to and, and that is, you know – the game wasn't as close as the final score, really. <laughs> right. I mean, they were getting – actually, it would be your worst nightmare of, when looking at Saturday's game because they had all those gashing runs. And I can't remember the guy that ran for over 200 yards uh, for for uh, uh, Maryland. But, yes, that was the official end of the Daryl Hazel era. Not that we're in the, in the habit of, hand, of bashing – Daryl, but uh, Daryl thought after he beat Illinois in overtime that he might be able to survive the guillotine. He didn't the following week when uh, after the I- loss to Iowa, another game that was not as close as the 49-35 score, uh, the guillotine fell, unfortunately, for Daryl. Uh, yeah, played, that was a bad one. But, but yeah, you're going to mention Purdue played the- Maryland in the Champ Sports Bowl. I think the final of that game was 24-7. It also felt like it could have been like 100-7. Uh, Purdue, there's two things I remember about that game, Alan. Uh, Purdue got physically destroyed uh, by by the Terps on, on the line of scrimmage, both sides. And then also uh, a historical thing happened that night, which pretty much distracted us all uh, from <laughs> the football game, that Saddam Hussein was executed that night. Um, so that was like the, the most exciting thing for me about being at that I- I got to work that into trivia somehow. I don't know how you do that. But yeah, the, the operative word, two of the worst games I've seen in Purdue football in the last 20 years, Not maybe not the worst, but there were seven-point efforts against Maryland, in, like you said, in 2006, in the Champs Sports Bowl. And then, of course, the 50-7 to game that we keep mentioning. Uh, uh, that uh, was good. I remember mostly about that game was the fact that my high – I just got a high-definition TV, and we didn't have it plugged in well enough. So not only did the game go bad because I was in West Lafayette – but also the high, it was fuzzy because it, our, our HDMI cord, we never figured out was good. So it was a blurry mess and it was a mess. I think I fell asleep in the second half. It was just a, a very, very bad football game. You did, you did not miss much. It was a blur for Purdue <laughs> uh, as well. All right. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, thanks, Al. All right. Thanks, Kyle. That's a historical look at Purdue and Maryland. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at twdesignbuild.com. 
Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring Tom back in to talk a little bit of matchups and get his prediction as well for this Purdue and Maryland game. Uh, Tom, whenever we think it's going to be a track meet, somehow it turns into being like a, a 14 to 10 score somewhere in the middle of the third quarter. Or something like that. Is there any chance this game does not like just go berserk back and forth up and down the field? I guess there always is a chance. I guess I just don't envision that, especially if we get a, a healthier version of Aiden O'Connor, which I think we anticipate given what Jeff Rahm has said this week. And also Kylie's had a full week of practice. Of course, going into the Minnesota game, he really only got on the practice field until Thursday, very late in the week. So, again, more more schooled, more practice, and healthier Aiden O'Connell coupled with that Maryland offense and Tungle Lavoa, their quarterback. I guess uh, I can't buy you selling me the fact it could be a low-scoring game, but I think we could be in store for like a 35-30 to 30 type of a game. He's been a good quarterback. He does turn the ball over a little bit. I don't know what the numbers say this year. He has turned it over a little bit during his, during his career. Purdue got three interceptions – uh, last week um, seems to me like there might be an opportunity there with uh, you know a defense for the Boilermakers that has you know been able to turn teams over that maybe Purdue could do that in this game. Now Purdue's defense could also tackle a little bit better in the secondary. It was sort of mixed bag, wasn't it, last week for the secondary? Man, they missed yeah. tackles and you're just like, guys, just wrap up. Uh, says the guy with a back injury sitting on his couch at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but then, you know, they countered that by making some great plays, uh, obviously defensively, that really changed the game as well. Uh, could be a similar deal on Saturday, it feels like, because this is a quick Terp team, but maybe you have an opportunity to turn them over also. Yeah, yeah. Boy, you talked about the turnovers last week. The Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week was from Purdue, Cam Allen, with the two interceptions, one in the end zone. Uh, went right through the hands of a gopher into Cam's waiting arms. And, of course, Cam had that game sealer uh, at the very end. And it's been an opportun- opportunistic defense, Kyle. I think overall Purdue's defense is better than Maryland's. I think the strength of Maryland's defense is its secondary. I think Purdue's it's its line. That depth up front, Kyle, don't over-underestimate that depth up front. I think they can get after uh, the Maryland quarterback. I'm not sure how much you want to blitz him, though. I think still you want to try to keep him in the pocket. Don't turn your back on him. Let him rip off some big runs. Um, but, again, just try to rush four, maybe play some zone and make that guy really be a quarterback and read defenses and try to get balls into tight windows. So, Ron Inglis is going to have to be creative. And, again, turnovers, like you said, Kyle, could be the real key here to victory. Which team can win that battle? Could be the team that wins the game, too. You would hope that Purdue would hold on to the ball a little bit better. I mean, Aiden O'Connell floated a few. That's part of the reason why we felt like he just wasn't, you know, at 100%. You could just tell that the ball didn't have sort of the same below, uh, maybe the same accuracy as well. So perhaps he's a little bit sharper. When he's on, he tends not to turn the ball over. And so, I, I, you know, maybe that's an avenue for Purdue to make up those three points that they are an underdog here in this one over at Maryland. Yeah, you're right. And don't forget about special teams. Maryland has a very good kicker. They do, yeah. And that guy's Purdue, good. It was good to see. Yeah, he's very good. And Purdue got Mitchell Fenron sort of back on track as well. Uh, Jack Ansel's been punting the ball. 
uh, with, with a plum. And in the return game, Kyle, I guess we're still waiting. Maybe this is the Saturday where Charlie Jones really makes a difference in the return game and maybe takes one to the house, which proves to be the difference in the ball game. So that could be the battle that determines this thing when it's all said and done or special teams. Um, just a good battle. You know, Maryland's 4-1, Kyle. They beat Michigan State last week. They have a win over a pretty solid SMU team as well. Both these teams have an upward trajectory. So it's going to be a fun battle of wills. Who you got? I'm going Boilers. I, I had 30-28. to 28. I think they find a way to do it. I do think they win the turnover battle. I think because Aiden O'Connell is healthy again and they have some of that offensive balance with their ground game. I think that's going to be enough to keep Maryland off balance for and for Purdue to get out of there with a W. Yeah, I like a high scoring game. I've got uh, I've got Purdue thirty five to thirty one. I, I think Purdue just wins in a shootout. I think Aiden O'Connell has the edge. I think Purdue likes going on the road for whatever reason. This Purdue team uh, likes to be on the road, and I think it has confidence there. Aiden O'Connell plays well, being a little bit healthier this week and with a full week of practice. And I think the difference is, you, you said it earlier, I think the difference is that Purdue's defense a little bit better than Maryland's defense. And so yeah. maybe, maybe with everything else being equal, that uh, is the thing that puts Purdue over the edge. Yeah, Purdue's won five of the last six Big Ten road games, Kyle. Really uncanny, like you talked about. They're road warriors, and sometimes you get that circle of the mentality, uh, it's that circle of the wagons mentality when you go on the road. And certainly Purdue's really been able to, to really cultivate that the last couple of years. Thank you, Tom. Have a good trip. Take care, buddy. All right, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. If you like the podcast, be sure to give us five stars. Leave a comment as well. We do appreciate uh, the support of our sponsors. Also, for Tom Dean Hart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Krupik, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.